you can you can have some of these lesser-known fish that really command a price that is fair to everyone to fair to the people that are risking their lives catching them fair to the people that are selling them fair to the people who are cooking them and eating them you know there's, there's got to be a little bit of leniency on at every level so that everyone can eat this is fish tales a seafood podcast i'm john sussman in this episode we're returning to chat with vinnie milburn owner of greenpoint fish and lobster located in brooklyn new york Vinny has been in the seafood industry for over a decade and has a passion for sourcing and selling the freshest, highest quality seafood. At Greenpoint Fish and Lobster, Vinny and his team work tirelessly to provide their customers with the best selection of fish and shellfish, as well as offering expert cooking advice and recipe ideas. We're pleased to be reconnecting with Vinny. It's been over two years since we last spoke with him, and we're excited to hear about all the changes and developments that have taken place in the seafood industry in New York since then. So, uh, hey, John, this is Vinny Milburn. I'm the owner-operator of uh, Greenpoint Fish and Lobster Company in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, I, I think it's been a lot better than expected, to be honest. Uh, a lot of people still are getting out there, going and visiting restaurants, and they want to travel a bit more. Everyone was cooped up, and they want to get out and, and do things. Um, but there's really no predictive behavior anymore. Um, It just seems that you could have a stellar week one week and then the next week it could be nothing. Um, I think a lot of it is weather dependent, but you know, you just have to keep going with it and and seeing how you can do. But for the most part, I'd say things are pretty, a lot better than expected. we had a pretty dour outlook, uh, previously and it seems to have turned up a little bit for a few months it was gangbusters and um you couldn't get enough product uh you know everyone spent so long trying to work down their inventory that then when it came time to build it back up it took forever and and products were tight some still remain tight prices were through the roof customers didn't mind keep moving it out whatever you can and that's that's kind of calmed down a bit now. I think um, prices have come out of the stratosphere. Things are a little bit higher with inflation, but they're not as uh, as crazy as they were previously. So I, I think it's a good thing for everyone. But for the most part, we're uh, yeah we're, we're doing fine. COVID disrupted the seafood supply chain as international flights and shipping trade were restricted and many seafood processing plants were forced to shut down due to outbreaks of COVID among their workers. This led to shortages of certain types of seafood and increased prices for some items. It also resulted in Vinnie relying more on the local supply from within driving distance of his facility in Greenpoint, New York. The good thing about New York fishermen is they're they're quite hardy and they they go out fishing whenever they can and they'll hit their quota every day and they'll they'll come in with the fish. Um, that was really what saved us during the pandemic is having the ability to uh, rest on our our local guys a lot when planes weren't coming in, trains weren't coming in, boats weren't coming in. So to have uh, our backyard full of some really high quality product that was fresh and local. That was really great, um, but now with the the global networks getting back up to speed, um, you know we're seeing a lot more of these 
imported products, commodity products, but it's, it's been, it's been pretty good. Um, I think the logistics have gotten a lot better in the last six months for sure. And like I said, people building frozen inventories was just a huge part of, of why you couldn't get things before. And it makes sense. People don't want to be sitting on things if they don't know they can sell it. And then all of a sudden you say, all right, great. I'll take two containers. And you say, well, now we got to put it up. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not that easy. So a uh, little bit of a pendulum swing back and forth, but over here things have somewhat evened out. People are really just getting back to the basics. Um, it's been great to see a lot of the monk and skate boats uh, be able to, to sell at a little bit of a higher price, return a little bit more to the fishermen. I think a lot of people are are getting into these things that were once trash fish, but you see them on, on uh, really high-end menus. Um, and I think that that's something that's really exciting. You know, you don't have to have just always, um, I don't know, striped bass all the time. You know, you can, you can have some of these lesser known fish that really command a price that is fair to everyone to fair to the people that are risking their lives, catching them fair to the people that are selling them fair to the people that are cooking them and eating them. You know, there's, there's gotta be a little bit of leniency on at every level so that everyone can eat. And I think that that's been something that is, you know, an unanticipated benefit of some of these shortages is that the price goes up and the fisherman gets paid a little bit more and he has more, uh, more of a incentive to go out and, and take care of the fish that they're catching. So I, I've been really excited to see that. The COVID pandemic has had a significant impact on the retail industry, including the seafood retail sector, but many have been able to adopt and find creative solutions to continue serving their customers and meet the evolving needs of their market. I, I mean, the, re the retail part is uh, probably the single most important piece of, of the puzzle over here. Uh, it was, I wouldn't say uh, unwanted before COVID. It was just kind of something that was there and it was nice, but it wasn't a main driver of, of traffic or interest or revenue. And, and now it really is. I think a lot of people got used to cooking at home during COVID and they've realized how easy it is and how delicious it is, delicious it can be. So we have a lot of people who were not cooks before and they are still coming in, buying product, trying new recipes. I mean, it's really the driver of a lot of attention in our, in our store for sure. No, they, the people that come in uh, are experimenting a lot more. They're interested a lot more. They want to learn new cooking techniques. They want to, uh, they want to take whole fish. They want to take some bones. They want to make a soup. They want to, um, they're really branching out from the normal uh, throw in a pan on it for a few minutes on each side with some butter and that's really great for us i mean the more that we can sell uh, and the more we can u minimize our waste it's better for us too uh we love selling tail cuts and collars and fish bones and all sorts of things and i think that's it's been one of the great positives coming out of COVID. honestly the COVID pandemic has had a significant impact on the restaurant industry in new york city as it has around the world. 
Many restaurants were forced to close their doors or significantly reduce their capacity due to health and safety measures. As the restaurants in New York began to reopen after COVID, many chefs and restaurants had to meet the needs of customers who were hesitant to dine indoors, with many restaurants also started offering outdoor dining options as well as takeout and delivery services. In addition to these operational changes, many chefs and restaurants also had to adapt to changes in customer preferences and behaviours. For example, some may have seen an increase in demand for takeout and delivery, while others may have had to pivot to offering more vegetarian or seafood options to meet changing dietary preferences. Fishmongers had to also adapt their approach to servicing these needs in demand. I, I was really thinking that there would be uh, a big extinction event in restaurants uh, just because of the sheer number of them and the, the amount of of debt that they usually carry. But we didn't quite see that. There were certainly a, a good amount of restaurants that didn't make it through, unfortunately. But the ones who were able to stick it out, uh, they've become a lot savvier, uh, a lot more price conscious. Uh, they, they are still interested in quality, but they know that if the quality comes with the price, they want to get uh, the best bang for their buck and they want to be able to use it most efficiently. So we're seeing a lot of people who are um, utilizing some offcuts more than they previously had some, you know, some scrape, uh, using some, some parts of the fish that would normally have been discarded. I think people are, are getting a little bit more efficient in that way, which is great to see. We love to see that. For a while, I was I was joking that we should just rename ourselves Greenpoint Shrimp and Salmon because it was <laughs> pretty much that anything that anyone wanted. But now that we're coming out of COVID, uh, chefs are are getting a little bit more um, adventurous, and they're they're looking for different products. and And we get we field questions from people all the time about certain things that they've seen on Instagram or or in a magazine or something. And so we're seeing people looking to differentiate themselves in the marketplace because especially in New York, there's, you know, 10,000 restaurants. How do you make yourself appeal to the customer that's going to walk by and has almost limitless options to go to dinner? So we are starting to see people that are looking for more unique items, um, things that, Unfortunately, they they think no one else has done, but they're usually uh, they seem to go in trends. And you know, you'll see something on on Instagram, and all of a sudden, everyone's asking about it. And you say, "All right, where? Who was the one that posted about razor clams or or something?" But we, for the most part, um, yeah, the, the chefs that have been uh, sticking it out and making it through are are just getting better both at being uh, both at their craft of, of cooking and, and of, of the business side, which is equally as important, I think. There are many challenges and considerations involved in opening a restaurant, developing business plans, funding, choosing locations and the associated legal and regulatory requirements, hiring staff and pre-opening marketing, just to name a few. Throw in forced closure Merely days from final opening would have been enough to cause most local operators to simply give up the challenge. For a restaurateur opening in another country, you would think the project would simply die. For Vinny, a favourite new restaurant which serves great seafood is Manna from Heaven. 
it's not it's actually not a seafood restaurant it's a steakhouse but uh this is a it's a great story because there was this um this restaurant group from london they're called Hawksmore. they're a very high-end steakhouse in the uk and their friends and family they, they spent years building out their new location in new york their first location outside of the uk their friends and family was scheduled for uh, March 16th, 2020, which was the day that all the restaurants shut down. So they were finally ready to open and they never got to. And yeah, it got delayed and delayed and delayed. And uh, they finally opened and they have some of the best seafood dishes that I've had in a long time. It's uh, wood, it's all cooked over flame. They do great stuff, good oysters. Um, they do a lot of really fun stuff, so I'm happy for them that they were able to open because uh, what a what a kick in the shins to to work on opening a restaurant for years and then not get to on the day of the shutdown. Um, but for other than that, I think that what I'm most excited about is places that um, have been around for a long time and are now branching out into some seafood options. A lot of places put oysters on the menu, like I had mentioned, and that's something that we just love. So, uh, you know, Just a, a regular cocktail bar. They say, we don't even serve food, but we're going to do oysters now. I've got a couple of those in the neighborhood, and we love it. So I think that that's really the most exciting thing is that the non-seafood places are also getting into seafood. Oysters are enjoying huge popularity throughout the world. Consumers are being offered oysters not only by species, but by season, region and grower. Vinny is a champion for all local US oysters and continues to grow his program, despite the disruptions and uncertainty for oyster farmers through the period of COVID. That was one of the, um, one of probably the most easily identifiable issues that could have been seen coming and everyone saw it it coming and just kind of didn't really pay attention to it uh earlier this year in 2022 there were essentially zero oysters um on the east coast i mean people were just bringing in really b and c grade things and they were getting really high prices for them and the reason for it is that a lot of the grow out periods for these products are 18 to 24 months uh, in the Northeast. So if you go back 18 to 24 months prior to the start of COVID, a farmer looking at the world shutting down and the media saying that this is the end of the world and food service will never be the same and restaurants are never going to open again. If I was an oyster farmer, I wouldn't plant my full million crop either. <laughs> you know, like it just, it just makes sense. And but then they had the next, they had the 2019 crop and then they had, or the 2018 crop and the 2019 crop. But when it came around to that 2020 crop and restaurants uh, had a huge demand for it, the supply just wasn't there. And that was a really interesting conversation to have with my chefs. And it makes total sense when you, when you describe it like that, that it took two years, but it was horrible. I mean, I, I was I was getting shorted sixty to seventy percent, and the things that I was getting in just weren't very good. And I still had to sell them, and you know, everyone was no one was happy at the time. Um, luckily, we've we've moved past that. There's been a lot of good growth. 
Um, a lot of people are getting into oyster farming in the Northeast. It's, uh, it's really just diversifying the market so that you have a lot of really good brands, a lot of people who are taking care of the product, handling it well, storing it well, shipping it well. So I think that that, that has somewhat passed us, but it was, it was very tough at the, at the time for sure. I mean, from a, from a restaurant perspective too, as, as an owner, it's a great thing because everyone loves them. You can keep them in the walk-in and you don't have to open, you don't have to actually like destroy them until you open them, right? Like they're, they're somewhat shelf stable. They are perishable, but you know, you can, you can get a, a good few days or a week out of them. And they're a great way to beef up a, a ticket. I mean, you, you get a dozen oysters, you're, you're putting $40 on there, you know? So it's a great way for everyone. Um, and I think that the more brands start to develop, the more people are interested and they want to taste the difference between one oyster to the next. So I think that this market's only going to improve over the next couple of years. Supply is the lifeblood of a seafood business. As more pressure comes to pass on the sustainability of seafood supply, so does being able to keep ahead of trends using all means to understand where and how to source seafood, which is not only fresh, healthy and culinarily suitable, but as an imperative has a known history and sustainability credentials. I, it, it's difficult. There's, there's a lot of, you know, as we progress into uh, Further in the 21st century, there's a lot more technology and, and ways that that uh, that we can learn more about the oceans. And a lot of times, what we find out isn't something that we really wanted to hear, but it's something that we have to hear. So uh, I'm really keeping a close eye on the uh, the RAS farming. Um, uh, operations that are popping up all over the world because I think that the amount of infrastructure that's being invested in just shows that there's going to be a push towards that and to get ahead of that is going to be very important. So we're definitely trying. Yeah, we, we're getting quite a few. Uh, I mean, these places are new quote unquote, but you know, 10 years old or less. Um, but they're popping up all over the place and, and we get a lot of, uh, yeah, but salmon, steelhead trout, uh, hybrid bass. Um, there's also, there's a place doing coho salmon upstate New York. So there's a lot of different places or a lot of different species. And I think that the more interest and more, institutional money comes in, the more we're going to see them. So we're, we're really getting ahead of that. And I think that if you were in the, in the early eighties and you put a, a wild salmon up against the farm salmon, you would, there'd be a very clear distinction on what you prefer. But I think that over time, the techniques and the technology have been developed and, and things are uh, getting to a point where you can have an incredibly, uh, um, delicious and uh and tasty farm salmon that's conventional pens or ocean ranch or or anything like that and i think that this particular industry is a little bit too new to really put up against some of these other fish but i i think that even in the 
seven or eight years that I've been buying some of these products, they've gotten exponentially better. And I'm just excited to see where they can go with it. As we move into the new year, Vinny remains positive and excited about the future for his business. Although hesitant and circumspect about what lies ahead, with a naturally more cautious view, his enthusiasm for both his local wild seafood and the emerging range and quality of some of the new aquaculture seafoods is keeping him motivated and inspired into 2023. Uh, last year, going into 2022, so this time last year, we were gearing up, ready to go for a huge end of the year push. Um, Manhattan is really alive during the Christmas time. They've got a lot of tourists. It's uh, it's holiday parties everywhere, and everyone was buying a lot of seafood. And then all of a sudden, the Omicron variant hit New York, and everywhere shut down completely. And we just got hung with a lot of products on hand that we just couldn't get rid of. Um, luckily, we were able to donate a lot to local food banks and, and things like that. Um, but it was a very hard learned lesson about not getting ahead of yourself too much. You know, uh, I really was expecting to go full gangbusters and you think, well, COVID is gone, but it's, it's not. And it probably never will be fully gone. And now we've got RSV in New York and we've got the flu and we've got more COVID. So I'm hesitant to make any big predictions. Um, but I think that once we get through the winter season, people will emerge from their small New York apartments again. They'll want to go out. They'll want to meet people. They'll want to imbibe and eat oysters and just have fun. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to an even bigger spring and summer than we had this year. I, I think that uh, having humility is is really important, and to not get ahead of yourself and not to not to get too big for your britches. Um, uh, you know, it's very easy to to get trapped in a, in a tunnel vision and, and just not see the rest of the world around you. But, um, I think that if, if COVID's taught me one thing, it's, it's that we are truly living in a, a globalized society and things from things in one part of the world have a, a large effect on you, no matter how insular you make your community. So I think that it's it's very important to remember that, to think about the world outside of you and, you know, just to try to be good to you and to yourself and to your uh, to your neighbors. And and that's really what's gotten us through here. We have a great, great, great community in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Uh, it's it is, you know, it's big city, but it is uh, very very neighborhoody. Walk down the street and say hi to people all the time. You know your neighbors, and that's that's been one of the best things of COVID for me. This is Fish Tales, a seafood podcast. A deep in the weeds production. I'm John Sussman. Follow us on Instagram at Fishtails Seafood Podcast or email us at fishtailspodcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay tuned for more tales from beneath the surface of the seafood world every Friday on your podcast app.